Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Stu's Drum Circle. I believe we are on episode seven, and today we're going to talk about the band a little bit, which we've been doing over the course of however many weeks I've been doing these podcasts. Last week I talked about how I tune my drums. We're going to go over that a little bit more today, just kind of the emphasis on the personal preference of drum tuning. Where I'm sitting at on this NMEA build, this drum set that I need to have done by the end of November to show at this conference. Coming along pretty well, just got some stuff taken care of today. Uh, we're going to talk about the color I'm going to do, the kind of whole scheme of the drum set. And then in my last episode, you guys heard me say something about snare beds and the snare drum that I'm currently using. We're going to talk a little bit more about those today and kind of give you an idea of what exactly those are and what they do uh, to help out with the sound of a snare drum. And then a couple more things that I've heard in the drum world that we'll get more in depth about today. All right, let's dive into it. First, the band, the Back 40. I'm sure you guys have heard plenty about the band if you've been listening to these podcasts. We had a busy week last week. Thursday night, we played here in Wayne at Riley's, and that was really, really fun. It was a really good show. The energy of playing with all your friends around is is one of the best feelings I've ever I've ever felt in my entire life. It's it's so great. I never hit my drums as hard as I do when I play here in Wayne at Riley's. And I come into a problem with tearing tearing up my hands pretty well and getting blisters and opening blisters and reopening older blisters and we'll talk about how I take care of that here later on. And after that show on Thursday, we played in Carroll on Saturday for a Halloween dance that the fire department there sponsors every year. That was also a good time. And during the night, they also had a costume contest to see who was the best dressed. They also had like a couples, um, they had like a couples category, uh, an individual category, best dressed category. It was pretty deep just to see what uh, everybody's idea of a Halloween costume was that night. That was a really fun show. Let's talk about the blister situation a little bit. Thursday night when we played at Riley's, I played really, really hard and hit my drums really, really hard all night. We never took a break. We went really, really hard from about 10.30 to 1-ish, and it was hell on my hands. I have a really, really bad blister on my left hand where my drumstick comes in contact with my pointer finger. Then I have another really nice-sized, kind of crusty blister now on my pinky on my left hand, right in the middle knuckle of my pinky, right in the center, which that kind of shows how much pinky control I try to have on my drumstick. And as for my right hand, uh, same places for blisters. These things hurt after a while. Let me tell you, Thursday night, it was pretty gross to look at. But I've heard some interesting ways to... Keep your hands from blistering. There was one myth I heard over the summer, and it's actually pretty gross. If you don't want to hear what's going to be said in the next 20 seconds, I would go ahead and just skip ahead a little bit. But what I've heard is that if you urinate on your hands right where you normally get blisters, I know it sounds disgusting, but apparently something with the ammonia and all the other toxic chemicals in your urine which you're going to put on your hands, um, does something to help really strengthen and kind of calcify almost your skin a little bit to speed up the process of calluses. I've never tried it. Um, I don't know if I will, but it's just a really, really interesting thing that some players, especially the old school guys, have done to prevent blisters in their hands. But I just take the uh, 
option B there and I used tape. <laughs> that seems to work a little bit better. That worked really, really well. I bought like a kind of a sticky skinnish colored tape that it doesn't stick to your skin very well, but it sticks to itself really well. So if you get a nice little wrap around your blister and allow that tape to stick to itself, it's going to help out a lot. And it's really, really flexible and it doesn't fall off when sweating. So that's what I use Saturday night. That was a really, really fun time. Those two shows, Thursday and Saturday, that made for a great, great weekend. Last week, I talked about the tuning of your drums. Uh, one thing I want to reiterate is the fact that the sound that you want out of your drums is completely personal preference. It's, it's what you want. Yes, you can take in all the information of what other people are telling you, but use, exper- use it sparingly. Just get the sound from your drums that you want. Don't let anybody else tell you that you want to achieve a different sound. Everybody's different, especially drummers. are so particular about their gear and what kind of sound they want. So when you're tuning your drums, just be sure that your final product is what you want your drums to sound like <laughs> and don't let anybody tell you differently. That's one thing I've came across over the years is paying attention to how different people tune their drums and how some of the guys back in like the 70s and 80s, how they would tune their drums and the different sound qualities that you hear then versus you hear now. So just be really diligent and be really personal about how you tune, how you tune your drums and just take in the information that you want to hear and use it to your own advantage. Another thing I want to talk about today real quick is this drum set for uh, the NMEA convention coming up here at the end of November. I'm moving along pretty good on it. Today was a pretty big step in the right direction. I got some stain picked up, which I'm going to do a color, uh, not really a natural uh, kind of finish that I did on my other one. It's kind of a reddish mahogany on my last one pretty natural wood kind of looking still i'm doing a nice blue on this drum set but it's still a stain it's not a paint it's still a stain so you'll be able to still see the wood grains and it'll look really beautiful once it's all done i'm going to do a really really high gloss finish on it so the drum set will look like it's just dripping wet it's so cool i can't wait to get this thing done it's gonna look awesome i just got that bought earlier today and i'm gonna try to plan on getting a coat of that stain on tonight Probably won't get any clear on. Um, Hopefully I can get some of that done this week. And by the end of next week, I hope to have this drum set um, finished as in having it stained and clear coated. That'll be really nice to have that done and out of the way. And then I just have to worry about getting all my metal parts and all my hardware in, which is another thing I want to talk about real quick. Um, After a couple days of phone tag, I was able to get in contact with my hardware supplier and we were able to get everything worked out, and I should have all of my metal parts and all of my hardware by the end of next week at the latest. So we might be looking at a deadline of having this kit done within three weeks. Um, I really don't have more than a month to get this thing done, so it's coming down to crunch time a little bit, but I'm really excited for it, and it should be done, like I said, hopefully within three, four weeks maybe at the most. Um, going back to last week a little bit, you hear me, you heard me say something about snare beds and I'm not going to go into too much detail about this today. Maybe it may be more next week. If you want to know more, you can contact me. I would love to inform you a little bit on the uh, drum building process and what snare beds actually are. Basically what they do is they allow the wires on the bottom of a snare drum to sit more flush with the drum shell. It's actually almost like a little dip is cut in the actual shell. It's somewhat tough to see with the naked eye, but after you look at it long enough, you can definitely see that there is an indention 
which allows the drum head and the uh, snare wires on the bottom to be in the utmost 100% contact with each other and the drum shell. That's a pretty basic overview of snare beds. If you want to know more, let me know. I'd love to love to inform you. Um, and then another thing I came across is if you play drums, you are probably pretty familiar with moon gels. And what these are are a little gelatin blue rectangle shape rubbery material. And they come in little like two by one inch little rectangles. You get like four of them in a pack for like 10, 15 bucks. I'm honestly not 100% sure what they cost. What I found works just as good, if not better, is those little um, kind of rubbery window clings that you can find at your dollar store for a dollar of a pack of anything from like a skeleton shape to a turkey shape. The funny thing about these is they're usually pretty festive and they come out usually during holidays. So every time you would want to purchase these window clings, you're, you're going to usually get them with the season, I think. Um, the first set of them I bought were like 4th of July themed. So they were like little rubber firecrackers and little explosion looking things. And when you buy them, like I said, you can get them for like a dollar up to five bucks and you get like a sheet of them. And they usually it's, it's all different sizes and shapes. So if you're looking for a lot of deadening on one drum, you just throw a bigger piece on the top head. If you want a little less deadening, you put a smaller piece on there. And the most recent ones I bought are Thanksgiving themed. So I have a full turkey <laughs> of these rubber moon gels, if you will. So the purpose of these is just to allow you to get the right amount of deadening that you're after for each drum. I don't recommend using them on a bass drum because the heads on your bass drum sit vertical. They're up and down and constantly beating the bass drum. I don't think that they'll stick on there very well. I noticed they don't stick on coated heads as well as they do clear heads, but that's they still they're still there. They still stay on the drum and serve their purpose. They just don't stick exactly where you put them. But every time I get a chance, I usually just pick up a sheet of these because I don't think you could have enough. They do wear out. They do become unsticky. If you travel with a lot of gear, if you travel with your drums, they will get torn up, ripped up, and it, it just saves you a heck of a lot of money as opposed to buying a pack of four of the actual little moon gel things. So there's kind of a neat little tip and trick of the uh, drum roll there of ways to allow for more deadening or less deadening to allow for the sound that you're after. So that's really all I got for today. Uh, maybe next week we'll go into a little bit more about little tips and tricks of the drum roll to get your drums to sound better. And don't forget the way you want your drums to sound is how you should tune them. And that's all I got for you today. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you guys later. See ya.